around the greater St. Louis area tonight listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS. Hello to you. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. If you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form on whatever platform you do download your podcast, thank you very much for finding us there and hopefully you subscribe and give us a nice five-star review if you haven't already done so. That always helps us out in the search engine optimization. A lot to get to tonight. Uh, first up, that we've had the gentleman on the show several times. Uh, I love talking to this guy. He's such a fascinating, interesting dude. Writer, producer, director, and uh, some of the best stuff. Independence Day, The Librarians, and of course, one of my favorite television series of all times, Leverage. Uh, it's a great series, ran for five seasons, and they're back. This is on their second now season of Leverage Redemption, and we've got... On the air with us, not on the air because it's pre-recorded, but we do have Mr. Dean Devlin. Right now we're talking with writer, director, producer, actor Dean Devlin on the show again. This time we're talking about Leverage Redemption Season 2. You can catch it now on Amazon, on Freebie TV. Uh, It's already five episodes have dropped and the new ones come out every Wednesday. Dean, thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you, James. I'm happy to be here. So uh, the the gang is all back. We've got another uh, group of episodes have already dropped. The first thing I wanted to ask you about last season, we got a big group come out at the very beginning and the second group later. This one, I like it better because the episodes are trickling out and that seems to be the way streaming's starting to go because it kind of throws us back to having to wait a week. We can't just blow through it all and then feel like, oh, we opened all our Christmas presents already. Uh, what was the difference in the change there with the with the way it was dropping? Well, you know, the thing that we notice is that, you know, this show in particular has an enormously strong fan base. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of like Star Trek fans. They're really, really involved. They, 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 they do a lot of stuff on social media. They like to do watch parties. They like to talk about the show together. And while it was fun for people to just, you know, binge out the first eight and then the second eight, uh, it, it, it diminished their ability to share it with each other because it, it, the fans were all on different episodes at different times. So by, by dropping them, you know, one a week, we find that there's a whole week of people discussing and debating and theorizing. And it really, you know, it's really great for the fan involvement. And since this show is really only back alive because of the fans and because of their insistence that it be brought back, uh, uh, we feel like this is just a better fan experience. And a great cast, the returning cast, but you always have great guest stars. I noticed uh, when with the one man's trash job, I saw Joshua Bitten's name come up. I had him on the show back in 2019 talking about his movie Tangled, and he played such a great villain. But it seems like you've always got great villains. When you're casting for the guest appearance, what's the casting process like? Are you looking for certain things? Do you have kind of certain actors in mind who you want to work with? How does that work? Well, there's always a list of people we want to work with, and of course... You know, uh, each new bad guy or new victim, you know, is, is usually ripped out of the headline. So, you know, we're trying to kind of mirror that. But the, the, the real wonderful surprise of Leverage Redemption is how often we're approached by actors who say, I'd love to do a guest star if there's ever anything for me on it. And uh, uh, it, 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 that's just one of the greatest 
gifts. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of those shows, like I said, it, the, the first seasons that came out, just the original Leverage, people have been, I, I always see people tweeting at you, hey, when is it going to come back? And just the joy that the fans have expressed in having Leverage back for the first season, and now we got Leverage Redemption for the second season. It's just out of this world. And Aldous Hodge, who I've seen him a little bit more so far in the second season, I know he was obviously very busy filming Black Adam as Hawkman in that, uh, but it's great to see him. And I got to say, so far... Date night job has been my favorite episode. It was so great to see the two of them hanging out. Hey, let's go steal something for a date and having the rest of the crew help facilitate the evening for them. That was must have been a blast to film that. Oh, it was amazing. And, you know, it, it, again, that's a bit of a fantasy fulfillment for the fans. To, you know, what, what is a date night like for these two people? And what is their <laughs> relationship like now after all these years? But, you know, just just to kind of reel back for a second, you know, what you're talking about with these actors. You know, it, it was a little over two years ago. I was at the Saturn Awards. And when Keith David came up to me and said, you know, he'd love to do the show, that he was a huge fan of Leverage. And, uh, you know, this Wednesday, he's actually our guest star. And it's a very special episode because if you were to include the original Leverage episodes, this episode is actually our 100th episode. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and I got the pleasure of co-writing it and directing it. And this time we delved back into a part of Christian Kane's character's backstory that we've been teasing literally for 100 episodes. So it, 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 it's, you know, these kind of worlds collided where we were able to bring someone onto the show who literally requested to be on it and get to tell a, a fan backstory that people have been waiting to see. And obviously you mentioned Christian Kane, uh, just such a f- great actor. Uh, obviously, I almost feel like he's the Riker to your Picard, because if you've got a project and you can find a way to get him in there, you do Almost Paradise was brilliant. And obviously, I don't think Leverage would be the same without Elliot Spencer as the hitter for the group. Uh, talk a little bit about your relationship with Christian Kane. Well, you know, I've now done four television series with the guy, so clearly I- I'm fond of him. <laughs> but, uh, he- he's he's a- an amazing talent. Um, he, he's an incredibly gifted comedian. He can sing. He's an, an action star and, and a terrific guy. You know, I mean, and right now he's in the Philippines shooting season two of Almost Paradise. And we mentioned last time we had you on, we mentioned newcomer Elise Shannon uh, is Hardison's sister, fills in seamlessly and she steals a lot of scenes for someone who is kind of uh, just new to the group. It's like she's been with the group for the whole 100 episodes. That's got to be such a blessing to have someone like that, to such a talented actor, come in and just seamlessly fill the role. Well, you have to understand how difficult this was. You know, to have a younger actor who hasn't really done a series before to come into a show that had already had 77 episodes made, that this group knew how to work with each other, they were older, they had a relationship, and yet she's like a jazz musician. She sat down and she immediately fell into the right rhythm, the right groove, and it's like she'd been there from the very first show. She, she's a remarkable talent, and you're, you're going to see over the course of the season, she really has some terrific growth as a character. And obviously, uh, you, we mentioned in the very beginning, writer, director, producer, you've done a lot of this stuff, so you've, you've acted and everything like that. When, you're, when you've created a show like this, is there, when you've, you're handing over the directing reins for episodes to other people, is there any kind of that overprotective father being like, okay, be careful that this is my baby, watch what you do with it, or do you just kind of trust the people you're bringing in to do their thing? Oh, I'm just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so protective of my children. But, you know, we have a wonderful group of directors, and, and you know, in this season, both Noah Wiley and Beth Reeshcraft have directed. Yeah. And, you know, they really know the show from the inside out. So they get the tone, they get the characters, 
And, you know, we have a wonderful production designer, a phenomenal DP, you know, a fantastic costume designer. So, you know, as long as I have a director who lets them do what they know how to do best and really focuses on the performances, uh, you know, then we're always in good shape. And obviously, I don't want to give away anything. I want some surprises for myself as well as the audience. But I got to ask, one of my favorite characters, and we got to see him last season, Drew Pyle's character, Jack Hurley. Are we going to see Jack Hurley in uh, season two of Leverage Redemption? Unfortunately, we weren't able to work it out, uh, the, the timing of bringing him back. But uh, Hurley is definitely in the Leverage universe, and we will definitely see him again if the show continues. Well, let's definitely hope we get a season three. Are you uh, are you pleased with the numbers that obviously are coming in already? Working to expectations, exceeding expectations. How happy are you with the way things are going? Well, you know that's the weird thing about the streaming world is nobody really knows what the numbers are. <laughs> so I have to base it. I have to base everything off of what I'm seeing online and the fan reaction. And the fan reaction is better than ever. And uh, you know, we were we were told that season one had literally gone through the roof. That it had a much bigger audience than when it had been on broadcast television. And it seems that the fans are really pleased with the second season. And, uh, you know, I just can't wait to see how they react to the next bunch of episodes because, you know, we, we really up it a notch. And I know we've just got about a minute left. Uh, we mentioned last time we had you on for season one that I was so excited. New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in the continental United States and that you guys are based there now. Um, I, I was just kind of curious with, uh, make, you know, you've got to kind of level up. You've got to kind of raise the bar a little each season. What was the biggest hurdle that you experienced with season two of Leverage Redemption so far? Well, you know, we'd come there after a major uh, uh, hurricane that had, had ripped up a lot of the town. So it was it was hard to get like building materials and, and a lot of places we wanted to shoot were still damaged. But, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, the people of New Orleans are so re- resilient and they've got such a great attitude about things. So, you know, we came in there where there was a lot of problems, you know, economically, a lot of problems, you know, just getting materials, getting locations. But the, the, the flip side of that is such a wonderful group of people, our crew, they're phenomenal. And, you know, their optimism really fueled the making of the show. And it is, it is an optimistic show. It's a lot of fun. If you're listening right now, haven't seen it, it is available on Amazon Freebie. Uh, you can check out, it started November 16th. New episodes dropping every single Wednesday. Dean Devlin, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I'd love to have you on again before uh, Almost Paradise Season 2. You bet, James. It's always fun to be here. If you haven't checked out Leverage Season 2 yet, fantastic. Uh, You can go back and catch them all on Amazon Prime. I believe the original five seasons of Leverage are also on if you want to go check out those as well. Uh, We're going to take a very quick commercial break. We are going to come right back, and we're going to have D.G. Chichester on uh, talking about Andor as we begin our review of and or season one. We'll have that and more coming right back after this. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hello, this is Jim Cummings, and this is Ondor Nagar. Don't move an inch. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio, and I will be checking on you. We are back. Geeks Me Radio heard here on KTRS, the Big 550, every Sunday in the St. Louis area. Obviously streaming online as well. Want to make sure we thank our premier sponsor, the people without whom this show would not be possible. That is, of course, 
the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. If you've been a longtime listener of the show, you know them as their website that I always say, discoverstcharles.com. Since I launched the radio show in 2016, they have been with me, the first people out of the gate to say, yes, we're going to back this show. Uh, they've been with us this entire time. And I, I honestly mean it when the show, when I say the show wouldn't be possible without their support. If you have not yet had a chance to go out and visit St. Charles for Christmas traditions, they are in their 47th year. This is the longest running and biggest Christmas festival in the country. You can go out there on Wednesday nights and take a stroll through Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. You can also come out and visit them on Saturdays and Sundays. Get your picture taken with Santa in the Katy Trail Depot. The historic train depot down there makes a great setting for that. Interact with international characters and carolers from around the world like Santa Lucia, Father Christmas, Eulenice, and all sorts of other characters as well as international carolers singing period songs. And of course, make sure you check them out on Friday nights for Krampus Knocked. You can go get your picture taken with Krampus in that same depot that was once occupied by Santa on Fridays and Saturdays. If you're looking for something different to do this Thursday, Breakfast for Dinner with Krampus is coming up. Your tickets are available still through the website, discoverstcharles.com. Just click on the events tab, find Christmas traditions, and look for things to do. Uh, you can have breakfast for dinner with Krampus. That'll be a whole big event this Thursday. A great time is had by all. Check them out. Once again, discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Very proud to have my next guest on. He is a, a world-class writer. He's done Daredevil, Terror, Inc. I could go on and on with all the different books he's written, the comic books he's worked on, but we wouldn't have time for our review of Andor. Mr. D.G. Chichester on the phone. How are you, sir? I'm awesome, James. Thank you for having me on. This is exciting. I want to go to the Krampus thing, though. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Dude, come <laughs> in. If, if you've not been to St. Louis before, that's something to come for. If you want to come check it out, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. They've got an incredible menu lined up, and of course, you get to hang out, get your picture taken with all the characters. The Krampus, the Callie Conseroy, the Mary Lloyd. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It, it does sound fantastic. Um, but uh, but we will put that on on the side and we'll we'll follow your lead to to talk about Andor. Yes, yeah, so I know as a writer, I know you have tweeted out about Andor early on, Mace. You you were very impressed with the writing, and it's one thing for me as a fan to enjoy it for various reasons. But when you tweeted that, I'm like, I kind of want to talk to Dan about this now and get his in, in input on it because as a writer, you obviously are looking at it very differently than I am. So I know a lot of, let's, let's start with this. A lot of people have said that Andor started out very slow, but I feel like it had momentum. It never, it never faltered. It never was like, oh, now it's too slow. It kind of slowed. It started slow, but then built. As a writer, what would you say your thoughts on the series? Well, that's exactly how I how I perceived it. You know, I didn't I didn't ro- watch it from day one. You know, it was probably a couple of weeks before I, I got into it a, a little bit. But I mean, we've all seen movies, especially lately, that have been very bloated. You know, they're, they're really exciting for for twenty twenty five minutes, and then it gets slow. Right? It's yeah. about, we could have lost the next fifteen minutes, and then oh, that that's exciting again. I really felt like right from the first episode, um, as a as a an audience but also sort of appreciating it from a writing point of view, that they were basically winding this crank tighter and tighter. You know, if you can imagine, you know, the torque being applied to like a, you know, an old gearbox. That's how I felt the slowness, quote unquote, was working to the advantage of the the series and the characters and the world building was this thing was just, you know, creating this tension, which then got released, you know, in some pretty extraordinary ways, you know, later on, but it was necessary I think to really enjoy it 
in that way to take that time to, to build that tension, both across the episodes and even within the episodes. Uh, you know, the, the prison break, you know, to me, uh, spoiler alert, sorry, this, this prison break. Um, <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. At one point um, that, um, you, you know, just had some extraordinary moments of, of tension around uh, what the prison was. And then, you know, Andy Serkis, you know, started delivering what, what should have been a nothing line, a nothing burger of a line. But it just it, it just created this incredible effect for me. Yeah, I know uh, the, the acting in this Andy Serkis, obviously, it, we, we know him and his acting prowess and everything like that. Yep. But I mean, the entire cast was oh, yeah. very solid. And I, I tell you, two, two of my favorite performances that I think they stole so many scenes were Stellan Skarsgård and Fiona Shaw. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, Stellan Skarsgård is, is just a phenomenal actor anyway, but I think in this uh, case, he has really uh, elevated, um, I'm not going to say the material, because the material is really good, but I think that the care that has gone into this uh, from a production level and putting these people uh, in these situations where they can take these words, take these situations, and really bring them to life, um, and then you see the evolution of, of Stone Skarsgård's character from this bit of a foppish uh, antique dealer, you know, who then is, oh, he's kind of managing a bit of the rebellion to his utter ruthlessness of what the rebel- rebellion actually represents, which to me, I remember calling my son, you know, he's a big Star Wars fan, and just uh, kind of nerding out over this twist, you know, uh, in a way that that there were these people behind the scenes of the rebellion actually forcing the empire to be worse and worse because the worse the empire is, the more tension there's going to be yeah. on everybody else. And therefore that is the, the thing that really drives the rebellion, not just this spirit of freedom, but that there's these manipulators behind it. And when, uh, when he finally gives that, uh, that monologue on the, the underbridge, in Coruscant, you know, wherever that, the hell that is, yeah. <laughs> well, well below the Jedi Temple. Um, it, you know, it's just it's just extraordinary uh, performance and, and extraordinary words. You know, you could just dissect that that monologue and uh, it's just got such a great rhythm and such a uh, such a poetry of language. And it was such a powerful speech that he does. You know, I, I, I'm working towards a sunset that I know I'll never see. I was exactly. thinking with that big ending and that big speech, I thought that was the last episode of the series. I thought they were yeah, they're going to leave us been. hanging, and then it went on more. I was like, oh my gosh, this. Is, and then of course, again to say Fiona Shaw because when they when again spoilers for anyone listening, I, I'm apologizing, but if you haven't watched it by now. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, So just maybe turn it off briefly, come back and listen to this episode (laughs) after you've seen it. But her speech, when she's passed and her hologram comes up and she gives that speech when everyone's there on that street is another just barn buster of a, of a, of a monologue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll put uh, Andy Serkis going back to, you know, to him and and the quote unquote, nothing burger, you know, the line that I was talking about before where, you know, he's being pressured, you know, throughout the, the episode, you know, how many guards, you know, are there? How many guards, you know, are there? And when he finally breaks and, uh, you know, and, and just says, you know, never more than five um, and or never, never more than 12, rather, you know, it's it's that's really powerful. But he does a great monologue as well. Yeah. in That episode, you know, where they actually have the um, the, uh, the the prison break. And, uh, you know, and he's being pushed by Diego Luna, who plays the, the main character of Andor, um, to, to do this speech. 
uh, over the, the intercom system to rally the prisoners. And that's extraordinary, too, because you're both getting the passion of what this character wants to say. But he's he's so broken from having been in the prison for, for however long that he needs somebody else to, to egg him on in a way. And uh, there's a great dynamic there that's developed between, uh, you know, those characters. It was really easy, I think, to sort of see, uh, especially if you're familiar with, with prison films, as these guys clearly were, um, uh, you know, to look at that character as just the sort of trope, the, you know, the bull uh, prisoner who's kind of given himself over to the, to the guards and there's going to be nothing much more to him. Um, and the arc of that character over three episodes or so um, was that much more powerful for it being three episodes as opposed to the acceleration of, uh, you know, oh, we're in a prison, let's make a plan, let's break out, right. boom, done, and, and we're, we're out. I, I just thoroughly, uh, you know, relished that, that time that we spent with them uh, and to really feel the, the pain and then the moments of, of release again, you know, cranked up this this gearbox and then just the springs in it. You know, I just feel them getting tighter and tighter, you know, from a writing point of view and then like release uh, to very, very gratifying effect. I think now with his appearance in Andor, I think Saw Gerrera now might hold, he might have beaten out Ian McDermott's uh, Palpatine for how many Star Wars projects he's been in because we see Saw Gerrera in Rogue One first, but then during the Clone Wars, uh, the animated series, he's in several episodes later on in that, and then we see him again in Star Wars Rebels, and of course he pops up in this, which I guess I I assume because they set the first episode, they said this is five years before the events of Rogue One or the Battle of Yavin. Uh, I'm assuming right, right. we're going to get at least two or three more seasons of Andor at this rate. Wouldn't that be your assumption as well? It, well, I don't know. I've heard one more season, and then I heard there's going to be significant time jumps between the ep- not the episodes, but maybe blocks of episodes. You know, as I understand it, like you might get two or three, and then they're going to time jump, um, hopefully to better effect than um, House of Dragons or whatever. <laughs> thing is. But um, you know, so it might catch up to Rogue One. Um, you know, so we're not necessarily overstaying our welcome, but we're seeing this transformation, you know, from Andor being this this street rat and this sort of disaffected, you know, it's all about me kind of character to becoming uh, a character who is is driven uh, for this cause and, and looks like he's going to ultimately adopt um, other aspects of, um, you know, of even that uh, the the, the Skarsgård character, where he becomes much harder. I remember the speech from Rogue One, having rewatched it recently, where he sort of says, we've all done terrible things. We've all done, you know, things that, you know, are not, not, not that we're ashamed of, but that are just unpardonable, you know, to get here. Yeah. So, you know, even, even back to Rogue One, they're thinking about the rebellion in a different way than just, you know, rah-rah. And there's nothing wrong with the rah-rah stuff. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's great. It's just a different way to look at Star Wars. But, you know, the Saw Gerrera, uh, you know, character and, you know, reminds me of, of another scene from a writing point of view. And um, and, uh, you know, he's talking to Stellan Skarsgård's character and they're talking about the fact that Stellan is going to betray another rebel to basically fake out the Empire. And and Saw Gerrera, uh, um, Forrest Whitaker, you, you know, just you know, says it several times in the speech, you know, and we'll lose 30 men. And then 
Skarsgård goes, plus whatever the character's name is. Right, know? yeah. You know, and he does it, you know, there's a rhythm to that language, you know, because, again, Saul Guerrero says it again a few minutes later. So if we do this, you're going to lose 30 men and whatever the character's name is. So I'm not completely doing it justice, but if you watch it, there's just a pattern of language that is, is just beautiful. Um, and you don't watch it in the sense that it's affecting your, it, you know, it feels affected. Right. I'm not watching it saying, oh, well, look at the cleverness of the language. You listen to that. But when you appreciate it after the fact, as I feel I did, it was like, damn, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, like I said, there are several, several instances. There are several beats throughout the series where I was just like, my goodness, this is such a smart well-written yeah. show and i like the fact that we're really diving into the nitty-gritty of the rebellion how they're because we well again clone wars and uh and rebels is animated but they do a great mm-hmm. job of showing us that heroic as you said rah-rah portion of hey we're gonna take this fight to them we're gonna win this thing but this is almost like the seedy underbelly of the rebellion that we're kind of seeing which is great and and it just you know Certainly, I don't think this was ever what Lucas intended, you know, George Lucas intended, you know, from the outset. He's famously said Star Wars is for kids. And I know some people were turned off by Andor and, and bailed on it early on, feeling it was, well, this is either too slow or it's too uh, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, or it is that see the underbelly. And you know, they called out, well, this is supposed to be for kids and this clearly isn't. Um, well, I'll counter it, part of that with. R2-D2 is the most ruthless bastard on the face of the planet. <laughs> um, you know, that, that is one killer droid. Um, <laughs> is, yeah, there, there are several times it's uh, like, oh, okay. Yeah, talk about, talk about ruthless. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just think it sort of shows that, you know, this is a rich um, universe, galaxy, and there are different ways to kind of come at it and appreciate it, which does not undermine the others. Enjoying Andor doesn't mean I can't enjoy the gunslinging of of the Mandalorian or the original Star Wars or, you know, or investing in, in, in the, you know, the mustache twirling of the Empire Strikes Back, you know, doesn't mean I can't have my jaw drop in awe to, again, uh, that, that speech, you know, of, of, uh, of Skarsgård, you know, it just, it doesn't, it just sort of opened up a whole different way of approaching it, which has sort of been long promised. You know, there's a video game that's going to show the darker underbelly of Star Wars, but it really doesn't. And yeah, and I, again, I don't think it's necessary. Like everything doesn't have to have a dark side um, or an adult side, but it's just kind of extraordinary that these guys found this, and yet it still feels true to the world. You know, it's not suddenly we've introduced um, so much awful that it's like, oh God, that's that's like Hellraiser came to, to Tatooine. <laughs> um, and I don't want that, right? That, that would really be to- totally discordant. But this does feel like, well, what goes on in the trenches, you know, yeah. while the rest of the stuff is happening? And uh, I know we, we put out on Twitter that we're having this conversation tonight and the KTRS text lines 84126. If you have an opinion on Andor and want to text it into us, we'll read it live on the air. We did get someone from the 618 area code. So they're over there in Illinois. Uh, they didn't leave their name in the text. So, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Tim Brewer. Never mind. I see it on the third text down. So Tim Brewer from Illinois said each episode in season one of Andor grew progressively better and more engrossing each week. The pace was just mm-hmm. right. And the mix of location filming with studio slash volume work was seamless. Both Diego Luna and and Stellan Skarsgård, who I've 
uh, who I've each liked in other films and shows, were simply outstanding here. I'm very excited for season two. Thank you, Tim, for that text. And yeah, I think uh, based on the way they left off, and now that we know, and I won't spoil this for anyone listening, because there's an end credit scene at the very last episode <laughs> that shows you what they were manufacturing in the prison, and it's absolutely wonderful to see that. I'm like, oh, that's because there were people trying to figure out, are they manufacturing the base of the probe droids that we saw pop out of the of the pod on Hoth on uh, Empire Strikes Back? But no, we right, get a full right. view of what it is. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's a little bit bigger than that. Yeah, just but, a bit. Um, uh, <laughs> but it's. Um, I'm glad Tim was it. You know, also called out the locations because I think, you know, again, that's a writing choice clearly, and you're a storytelling choice. And I think that um, gets back to uh, a wonderful feeling of the the galaxy, the cultures of the galaxy. You know, from this uh, extraordinary prison, you know, setup. Uh, to uh, the the resort planet that uh, you know Andor is on at one point, to the cultural and religious aspects almost of um, you know the planet he starts on, yeah, uh, and the you know the the funeral procession they have, which has all this incredible ritual to it. Um, uh, you know, there, there's there's always a richness in the promise of a galaxy, you know, far far away and a long time ago. And, you know, I would always get frustrated when, oh, we're on Tatooine again, you know, which was supposed to be the end of the universe, right? The planet nobody wants to go to. Why do we keep going back here? I'm, I'm starting it's, to feel like Anakin. I'm beginning to hate sand also. Could we please exactly, move on to another exactly. planet? Um, if you're just yes, tuning in, I'm talking with writer DG Chichester. We're breaking down Andor Season 1. We welcome your text like Tim just texted in at 84126. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, you're okay to stick with me for a while longer, correct? Sure am, sure am, yep. Perfect. We're going to take a very brief commercial break. We're going to come right back, and we'll chat more Star Wars and or. A little bit later, we'll be joined by Star Wars actor Rory Ross. We'll get his thoughts on this series as well. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hey, this is Greg Grunberg, Snap Wexley from Star Wars. And it's all geek to me my friends. And we're back. Geeks Me Radio heard here on the Big 550 KTRS every Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. For those of you listening online, of course, 9 p.m. Central here in the greater St. Louis area. Want to make sure we tell you about our official comic book sponsor, Bugs Comics and Games. If maybe they were with uh, the economy the way it is, I know a lot of brick and mortar stores have shut down. If you are affected by this, if your local comic book store closed down, no matter where you are, BugsComicsAndGames.com is the website. They can be your new local comic book store online. And if you're fortunate enough to live in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, they're right there on Bryan Road in O'Fallon, easily reachable from Highway 70 or from the Page Extension. Bugs Comics and Games, they're always buying collections, so they've always got new back issues in. And to me, a comic book store needs back issues. That's one of the main reasons I go, other than, of course, to get your weekly comic book fix. Comics come out every Wednesday, and they always get all the good stuff in. You can subscribe to their Avengers Club so you can start getting discounts. Again, the economy is rough, folks. If you want to save some money while not neglecting your comic book hobby, Bugs Comics and Games has you covered. You can join the Avengers Club and start saving money on your new issues, back issues, your games, your boards and bags, your supplies, all that kind of good stuff. Check them out. Of course, BugsComicsAndGames.com. Give their Facebook page a like, Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook as well. 
and make sure they're your new local comic book store. Very proud to have them as the official comic book sponsor here on geek to me radio going to uh, go back to the phones we've got dan chichester writer extraordinaire uh you know his work from daredevil terror inc a bunch of other stuff he's worked on of course for marvel comics and he's helping me break down andor because i needed someone smart with me to make me sound smart and uh dan's my guy so <laughs> we were talking about this uh, one of the characters i think too that was very understated but a very big pardon the expression force behind the series was Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. We famously see her in Return yeah. of the Jedi in the original trilogy. She's the one who says many Bothans had to die to get us these plans for the new Death Star. She pops up again oh, in Star did. Wars Rebels. Yep. But she's, uh, I mean, uh, the stuff she's going through, again, it's all the political stuff because we're seeing the Emperor, you know, I remember distinctly in A New Hope, you know, uh, Tarkin walks in and says, the Emperor has dissolved the Senate. So we know that happens right during the same year as the Battle of Yavin. And we're seeing the dying gasps of what's left of the Senate. Nobody's showing up. People are checking out early. But she's still there trying. And, I mean, my goodness, talk about reflecting our current political climate. It's, it's a, another great character and, and great moments, great writing. And I think it's also credit where credit is due to this writing team and, and you know, the, the, the showrunners on this, because there's a lot of different, not just characters, but rhythms within this, right? You've got the, the incredible tension of those prison scenes we've talked about, the, the fierce brutality of uh, Stellan Skarsgård's Luthan, you know, character sort of pushing the rebellion in this way. And then you got this political drama going on over here, which almost has this bridge of spies, you know, sort of feeling to it, right. you know, where this, this political intrigue and, and not the, the, the kind of head scratching politics of the, the star Wars prequel movies, like the trade federation is now in rebellion. What? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, real tension of people trying to maintain some sense of character within whatever remains of the Senate while the empire is doing its, you know, its thing. Uh, and how are we staying once, how are the people who want to support the rebellion staying one step ahead of that uh, while also dealing with, again, their own culture, right? Her culture and uh, the backstory of her people and how now her daughter is becoming potentially betrothed to a, a gangster <laughs> you know, character through all this is handled in uh, incredibly precise ways. And how she even turns on her husband, you know, a bit, you know, toward the end and uses her own knowledge of who's listening and who's not listening uh, to her uh, to, to sort of play the system, hopefully against itself, so that she gets a few more minutes uh, to keep uh, fueling the rebellion. There's just so much juggling going on here. You could, you could pick any one of those themes, uh, plus more, and say this is the whole show, right? This is the whole way it's done. Yeah. But they're actually kind of seamlessly i think you know going from uh these uh, tonal shifts uh you know from scene to scene uh in in just really really great ways and i want to give a shout out too because you mentioned the writing team uh the series created by tony gilroy and i think he's the showrunner yeah. as well uh, he wrote five of the episodes dan gilroy wrote uh some as well bo will uh williamon and Stephen Schiff, series directed by Toby Haynes, Benjamin Karen, and Susanna White. Uh, so kudos mm -hmm. to all them, because like I said, I, I don't think I've enjoyed 
Disney Star Wars this much since The Mandalorian. And, of course, before that, probably Rogue One. Because um, oh. ever since Disney took over, they've given us some stinkers when it comes to their Star Wars yeah. stuff. Yeah, but I you think, know, or, or, or fan service, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think we all kind of enjoyed Obi-Wan, but except for at least me, you know, okay, well, not at all. But, you know, I sort of enjoyed it in a kind of a fan service way, except for the one minute where, you know, Vader grabs the ship. Um, uh, you know, it's like, okay, so, you know, again, the Jedi run away to planets, and why do we cheer them on? <laughs> you know? Right, right. Like, I want to know. And Boba Fett was a lost opportunity, you know, which could have been a, a, a you know, a kind of a, gangster godfather film you know became i'm not sure what another a chance for another episode of the mandalorian in right seasons i guess um but this is totally different this is its own thing and gilroy is uh, uh you know himself i believe tony gilroy you know goes back to uh, rogue one i mean there's there's uh-huh. legacy yeah. there um and uh so clearly seeing the potential and the rhythms of that uh that could be played out in this way uh that's playing the long game Right, because Rogue One is what 2017, 2018. I believe, and, yeah, um, something 2018. Not earlier. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's really seeing potential, and then being able to go back into this and tap into this, and as a prequel, you know, it's always tricky, right? Because we know the events of Rogue One, um, and and Rogue One itself was a prequel, right? You know, yeah, exactly, John yes. Null going into Kathleen Kennedy and saying, "Hey, you know how it says in the opening scroll, like you know, rebel spies strike from hidden base." stole the plans who were those guys uh <laughs> but you yes. know you know where it's going to land and yet it works so well you know where this is going to land and yet the things they're introducing are are just so rich and so diverse even things like the torture um not that i'm a fan of torture uh but it, it's it's the, the you know when they're they're putting the screws to um I can't remember the character's name, but the the woman oh, who's Biggs. Andor's friend, right? And you know, it's not it's not just the the big torture ball with all the little needles and and things coming out of it. It's like, oh, we found a planet that, as we were, uh, you know, destroying it, uh, we realized, you know, the the people who live there, the culture that lived there, uh, gave out such a terrifying, awful death scream that we could record it and use it. Yeah, I mean, my <laughs> for, goodness, for other people. Who, who comes up with that? I mean, clearly <laughs> talented writers, uh, but it, it's it's brilliant because it's it's just it's it's the it's the framework of imagination that comes out of it, both in terms of coming up with something like that. But then the fact they play none of it and all you do is see her terror that it's going to happen. And and then we don't hear it, but we see the effects on her afterwards, uh, long afterwards. And that's a great, you know, old school trick of yes. cinema and theater to not show, but just have yes. the audience imagine. And sometimes that was done for budgetary reasons, like, you know, uh, you, you know, we couldn't show it, but we could just show the effect afterwards. But here, obviously, they had the budget. They could have come up with some weird, tonal, scary, uh, you know, dubstep sort of thing <laughs> you know, to, to, to play. Torture by but, dubstep. Uh, I can't imagine a worse it, fate. Exactly. But uh, but this this clever cleverness and culturalness to expand that, again, feeling of the universe, which to me is very exciting as a Star Wars uh, fan to sort of see more and feel more of the universe and not just uh, retreads of 
of things that were there before. Yeah, and and to your point, that's one of the things, uh, one of my favorite horror movies of the 2010s was The Conjuring, and there's a scene mm. where the one little girl wakes up screaming, and they go in to check on her, and she's pointing to the corner of the room going, it's right there, can't you see it? It's telling me it's going to kill my family. And they look, and no one else can see it, and they never show it, which is almost more terrifying because you don't know what it is. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so true. It's the same effect. And if you've created the right atmosphere, you can you can pull that off. And clearly, you know, within the world of Andor, they, they very much did and continue to do so. Yeah, I mean, absolutely a great series. Um, I'm going to take another quick commercial break. I'm going to get Rory Ross on. Are you okay to stick with me for a while longer? Um, well, if you're going to talk to Rory, I don't want to cut into his time. I'm happy to stick around, but I'm assuming you got, you know, you want to drill into his experience and thinking. So happy yeah. to stick around. It's up to you. Yeah, if you, if you don't mind sticking around, I'll have you both on. That way uh, I don't have to do any heavy lifting. I'll just let you guys take over the show. So that <laughs> just, <laughs> we'll just, keep you know, that going. Feel. And uh, we're going to take that last commercial break. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk. We're going to have Rory Ross joining us after this commercial break. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550. Please stand by. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. And we're wrapping up the hour here. It's flown right by. I want to make sure before we get out of here, I tell you about our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. Marcus Theaters, if you go to their website, marcustheaters.com, you can find the location of the Marcus Theater or the movie tavern closest to you. You can buy your tickets right there online. You can even order your concessions through their Marcus Theaters app so they're ready and waiting for you when you get to the show for a more contactless experience. We saw Violent Night uh, last week. I brought a big group of my Christmas friends to go see Violent Night. It was a great outing. Uh, If you have not yet had a chance to see this one or a lot of other movies, if you haven't yet had a chance to see Wakanda Forever, that's still out and I highly recommend that film as well. More movies coming out. Tom Hanks has a brilliant new one coming out in January. If you're looking to see these movies, see them in the best possible surroundings. MarcusTheaters.com If you are looking for some fun way to celebrate the holidays, a lot of people have relatives coming in town. Rent a private theater at Marcus Theaters and you and your family, up to 20 people can enjoy a movie. You pick out the movie, you go see it. They've also got their holiday series going on right now where you can see Christmas Vacation and Elf all on the big screen, which makes me very happy. Uh, It's one of those times, Christmas is always a great time to see a movie, but there's never a bad time to see a movie. And if you're going to do it, do it in the best possible surroundings with the best refreshments and snacks and the best surround sound, all that good stuff. Marcus Theaters is the way to go. Marcus Theaters, our official movie sponsor for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. We'll make sure we tell you about where you are doing a pre-recorded show on Christmas Day. It's a Sunday. I won't be here because my wife would have a fit if I worked Christmas Day. So I've got a brand new show for you. I'm not going to leave you with the best of. We have uh, New York Times best-selling author Jeffrey Deaver. He wrote the James Bond novel Carte Blanche. He has a brand new book out now called Hunting Time. In his Coulter Shaw series, we'll have him. That interview will be on Christmas Day, so make sure you uh, tune us in. If you're looking for something to do later on Christmas Day after you've unwrapped all your gifts, we'll be here with a brand new show. That said, uh, we've got Dan Chichester still with us. We now have Rory Ross on the phone as well. You've, uh, you've seen Rory's work. He's been in a couple of Star Wars projects, and we almost got him in trouble last time. We're not going to do that this time, though, Rory, I promise. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show with us again. Hey, it's a pleasure, James, and it's, uh, I gotta say, it's a little bittersweet having, hearing, uh, Kevin Conroy's voice, uh, the voice of Batman, man. It's, uh, crazy. We've, we've lost some good ones, but it's also, uh, great that all these different 
mediums, it brings us all together, and it's something that we can celebrate and uh, continue for. So thank you for having me on. Of course. Glad to have you. Uh, was, uh, DG Chytrus and I were talking earlier about all the different writing stuff. From an actor's standpoint, again, I, I love bringing all these different because I'm just a fan. At the end of the day, I'm just a fanboy. I love all the stuff we're getting. Um, as an actor, though, you're, you're watching Andor. What were kind of your thoughts? Because you obviously know some behind-the-scenes stuff, which I'm not asking you to share. But what were your <laughs> thoughts on the series itself? Yeah, I mean, well, one of the interesting things was is obviously with the Mandalorian, they use a lot of the volume. They also do uh, practical sets, as we see in the gallery and, and so forth. Um, but with uh, Andor, it sounded, uh, from my understanding, that they kept to a lot of much, much more of the practical sets, kind of the old school Star Wars. And um, I think that was something that was just interesting on the acting side of just trying to see, like, one of the things with the volume that makes it so interesting as an actor is that you have these objects there that you're able to kind of uh, – interacted with and you're able to understand and see them in the physical space when it's a physical set sometimes if you have a lot of green screen it's it's harder to sort of um be able to mimic what that might be and so uh, you know seeing andor that was something i was intrigued by but man they did just an amazing amazing job you have andy circus obviously um coming back and and he just really rocks it and is kind of a master class in acting with that the the subtleties of it um and just you know, it's also interesting as an actor and as a fan, too, is this is a story that while we know what ends up happening with Empire, we know, you know, this is all leading up to, you know, the, the new hope, the rebellion and everything else. The shows like Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett, while they, they, they interject a lot of these legendary characters, and we have such a, a big passion for them. With Andor, it was very interesting to see more of the behind the scenes of how this rebellion is built upon. Mon Mothma's sort of Mm-hmm. Uh, inner struggles that are going on with her and, and her family dynamics, um, both, you know, with her sister being fully involved and her kind of more as, as a, you know, on the side, but definitely trying to do it through judicial aspects in the Senate, but then also, you know, funding Luthen's uh, endeavors. And then also her husband just being like, hey, let's just enjoy the ride. Let's just have fun. We're, we're here enjoying life. Um, so just a, it's a fantastic series in general. And I, I'm excited to go back and rewatch it. My girlfriend, we're both nerds, and so I have to only watch it with her, and so it took a really long time before I finally got to see all the episodes. Um, but, man, it was what, what a ride, and, and uh, the whole cast, the whole crew, uh, just a phenomenal job all around. And we did get another text come in uh, from the 636 area code. Carl says, I need my uh, Andor action figures post haste. So, we, yeah, we need, I, we, we're getting Rogue One and we're getting Mandalorian. I agree. I would love a uh, Mon Mothma and obviously a Luthan Rail uh, action figure as well. That would be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. And, and come on. And then also you have the Starkiller outfit that was kind of teased there in the background. Right. Yes, yeah, so, I mean that was pretty cool. There's a lot, of, and uh, obviously, if we get an Andy Circus action figure, it can't come with any water because we know he can't swim. So that would be one, <laughs> one thing as well. <laughs> but did, do I know um, uh, Dan and I were talking? We we mentioned some of the key things we like. Did you have one actor that you thought was a standout performance? Was like, whoa, this guy really, or this person really brought their A game to this? I mean, so I I, I would say with supporting wise, you know, I, I mean Andy Circus. I loved his his whole kind of uh, vibe that he had had going on, and then also just I'm sure you guys already talked about this, but what they're doing in that workshop and sort of essentially bit, building their own doom without them realizing, and that whole climax in the finale was like, oh my gosh! Um, 
just really brought all the feels to it and, and realizing the full picture there. Uh, but I would also say kudos to, um, oh, my gosh, I'm forgetting their names right now. But, uh, you know, the, the security officer who is just very steadfast that he's, like, he's doing the right thing and, you know, and, and goes to talk with ISB. He did oh, a yeah. fantastic job oh, yeah. playing such a great, captivating villain. And you, you start feeling for him because you're like, this guy's just really trying to do his best in the galaxy and, and to ensure that protocol is being followed. And he's like, no, these guys died. Like, they need to have proper investigation in terms of what happened, even if they were scoundrels of sorts. Um, so, you know, that's, that's always kind of a difficult job sometimes of, of making as an actor, of portraying a villain that is something that is, has more dimension than just like that's the bad person you know, or the bad guy. Like Joaquin Phoenix doing Joker, phenomenal job. And so, um, you know, kudos, kudos to them. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited for where this, this next season is going to go. And Dan, as a writer, I'm sure you can, uh, you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I was one of those when they announced Andor as a series, I said to myself, this guy dies in Rogue One. Why do I care? Why do we need a series? But I'm eating my words because they did such a great job of the character building, and that's where the writing really comes into play. Totally. And Rory, nice to, nice to meet you, uh, just by voice. Um, but I, I think that's, that's totally my reaction as well. It's like, honestly, I had a little bit of a hard time initially remembering that the character's name was Andor. You know, I enjoyed the performance, but it had been a while. And like, oh, yeah, okay. But, you know, it's like, do we really need this? So we're going to unpack this? Like, what's it going to be? But um, now it just feels like, uh, A, it's, it's absolutely necessary for us <laughs> to spend time with these guys. And, uh, and I, I can't wait for more. And, um, and it's great to hear it from an, an acting, uh, you know, perspective that it's dovetailing with so many things. And, uh, you know, one of the performances, which is kind of silly, but I, I think it was really emotional for me, was the, the droid as well. Oh, my goodness, you know, the yes. BT emo. Um, <laughs> just, I just really, I mean, I, I felt for that little guy. And it was like, you know. <laughs> if, if droids were animals, that was definitely a basset hound, I got to say. <laughs> but yes, I mean, and, and again, I was thinking this as I was prepping, uh, prepping for the show tonight. I was like, all the best Star Wars projects, movies, series, have a droid that you immediately love. We got K2SO in Rogue One. Yep. We've got, we've mm-hmm. got Beatty here in, uh, in Andor, R2D2, obviously from the original series. But that's a hallmark for me is if you fall in love with the droid, it's a great project or, uh, or movie. So yeah, there's that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, and if you get to work on Andor coming up in uh, f- uh, some of these upcoming seasons, Rory, is there any chance you could <laughs> you could steal me one of the droid prototypes? I'm just asking. Oh man, you know it would be really cool. <laughs> I feel like a lot of that's filmed over in uh, England, so I don't uh, know if I would ever, unfortunately, get my hand in that. But uh, you know, going back with the droids too, like KTSO and, and seeing you know the security droid that uh, pinned him down in the uh, the beach yes. down. I was like, oh man, yeah. so you're. You already—it's—it's it's so great how with the storytelling they're not just creating something new, but also giving you like, hey, this is more context of what ends up happening, uh, both as the rebellion and then also with Andor's story, uh, as, and then even with him, I'm so curious to see more of his backstory of, you know, his his village and eventually, hopefully, he finds his sister. I'm sure in season two or or something of that, but uh, just getting to understand that, like when we originally see him here. He is all in it for himself. And mm-hmm. so when we see him as Andor, 
in Rogue One where he's fighting for the rebellion and he's he's the one now recruiting people. He's the Luthan of that that era. It's so interesting right. to kind of see where he he came from and uh, where he's going. And there's that fact too that obviously just because we didn't see Luthan and everything in. Rogue One or Star Wars doesn't mean he's not still out there. So I'm fascinated to find out what happens to that character because I think there's so much uh, story there to mine as well. Um, Unfortunately, Mm. gentlemen, this hour zooms by. We are coming up. I've got just about a minute and a half left. I want to make sure we get plugs in for the two of you. Uh, Rory, we'll start with you. Tell people where they can find you, what projects you can possibly mention that you're going to be in and uh, (laughs) stuff like that online. Sure. Well, so unfortunately, not, that's many projects I can mention. I, I am uh, working on a Star Wars fan film. We are utilizing the volume technology that you see in The Mandalorian. So oh, cool. be on the lookout wow. uh, for more info on that. Um, but you can follow me on all the socials at the Rory Ross. And uh, I'm, I love uh, nerding out. And uh, so feel free to stop on by and say hi. Perfect. And uh, Dan, if people want to keep up with you, what, what projects are you working on now? And where can people find you online? Uh, best way to find me online is my newsletter, which is storymaze.substack.com. So uh, check that out, and you'll have updates on what I'm doing right now and what's coming up. And I, if you if you haven't subscribed yet to Into the Story Maze from uh, DG Chichester, it's it's great to get those emails because it really gives you, especially if you're an aspiring writer, gives you a lot of stuff to think about and look into. So I always enjoy getting those emails from you, Dan. Thank you. Absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you for taking time on a Sunday night to be on and talk about Andor with me. I greatly appreciate your help. Hopefully we can have you both on again soon. Very yeah, exciting. Thank you so Everyone much, Dan. Well. Thanks, you too. Take care, gentlemen. There Take they care. go. Bye-bye. DG Chichester and Rory Ross. Make sure you keep up with them. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. We've got another show in the books. Um, we've got... Probably, I guess, uh, Maxim Movies is up next, but we're going to have just a moment here before I've got to fire our outro. So I want to make sure we tell you about our social media feeds. We've got at geek me Radio on Twitter and on Instagram. You can check us out there. We're going to be giving away a huge bunch of toys, uh, courtesy of our partners, Kokomo Toys in Kokomo, Indiana. Make sure you check out Kokomo Toys. Uh, just a fantastic place. We drove through there on our way back from Holland, Michigan. I was immediately enamored. That's where I want to be buried. Uh, if anyone has my wishes at heart, uh, just let you know. It's a great place. Check out Kokomo Toys. But keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash geek to me radio You can find us there as well. And uh, if Joey V is with us, we normally stream video or we just do old school radio like we did today. Thank you again to Dean Devlin for being on. Thank you to Rory Ross. And thank you to DG Chinchester for joining me to break down Andor. Until next week, my friends. Hey kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. 
before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.